Alright folks, here we go, it is the General Knowledge Podcast Season 2, Episode 3, and we've got the band back together for this one, folks. I am here, of course, joined with uh, Ethan Nash of TOTT News and Andy Soames, our good mate here at Real News Australia. Boys, how are we going? Feel free to Yeah, yeah really good, Lee. <laughs> I should have yeah. said what he is. I was kind of hoping I'd get the big... Identified one. Yeah. <laughs> I started hoping you'd both just stay at the same time. Then there was a big break. Uh, it's hilarious. Oh, it's good. I'm glad he's good anyway. Uh, we're both too polite. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good uh, to have yeah, the band. No, everything's, everything's, everything's good. Yeah. yeah. Bit of a laugh. Get the guys back together for some chin wagon session. It's going to be good. Um, and we were just, you know, chatting um, off air, obviously, just before a few minutes ago there. And we were chatting about these fires and the geoengineering and the lack of rain and all this sort of stuff. And uh, I think everyone everyone's noticing it too, especially, obviously, all our listeners here in, in Australia and especially the, the Eastern Seaboard who listen to this podcast and follow what we do. You know, they're very up to speed on what's going on. And everyone's getting a little bit worried, I think. Um, and, Ethan, you mentioned before there's this... Um, big push for the fear um you know it's all about climate change mate you were saying yeah general well that's the first thing that uh i notice when you see the media coverage about these bushfires you know it's it's almost like a doomsday scenario and they're all pushing that the reasons for this are climate change that it's just out of control that we're going to have the hottest summers ever when you know when you really get into the depth of it there's multiple different reasons that we could spend whole podcasts talking about that you know are more fundamentally behind the bushfires themselves than this so-called green scare campaign about climate change changing the world you know like just one example is that australia has had similar temperatures from the end of the 1800s all the way up to the 1940s so it seems like it's a hundred year cycle that australia goes through where we have these temperatures you know i've documented this on my website where in the National Archives there's newspaper footage talking about how people were dropping dead in the streets in Victoria in the 1930s because of how hot it was. They described infernos all throughout New South Wales. You know, this isn't a, uh, a new thing, but, you know, and that's just one reason, again, and I'm sure we'll get into other reasons, but I just, the first thing I noticed was just how much the media are turning these events and using it to suit their green agenda for sustainability and in the in the meantime they're scaring the crap out of the population with this fear-based programming mate oh mate well you're absolutely wrong ethan i mean greta thunberg says it's it's (laughs) co2 and climate change you're absolutely wrong that little girl's right you got nothing (laughs) yeah well that's it i just yeah well i guess i'll go home yeah it's so stupid eh? like they sitting there pushing all that fear like you said hey Oh, yeah. and it's it's so obvious, yeah, that we have these cycles. It's all about the cycles. I mean, I was chatting to um, uh, a really good mate of mine who does the same sort of work that I do, and he goes, yeah, I haven't seen it this dry for about 10 years. You know, for, it's been definitely about 10 years ago when it was this dry and we were sort of struggling. And uh, I'm mm. like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Eh? Like, I didn't notice it because I wasn't outside doing that for a job, but he was. And he's like, yeah, it won't, it'll, it'll come back. And like, the water rain again, but it, we're just going through that this, this dry section again, you know? And he reckons it's around a 10-year cycle. That's what he was saying. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. You know, I mean, obviously, there's obviously longer cycles, but this sort of little dry patch that we have in, you know, no rain and stuff. But um, could it, Andy, let's, let's theorize a bit. Do you think it's more to it than just a cycle? Do you think maybe there's uh, other forces at play? 
Uh, look, I'm just uh, actually just listening to your talk. Well, remember going back a little bit, like with the Peter Beattie days, and 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 like southeast Queensland was so dry that um, they brought in all of these like desalination plants and spent like a truckload of cash like developing these des desal plants mm -hmm. in in Queensland. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Yep, yep. So yeah, so like we've we've had like dry periods, and in actual fact. Our dams in southeast Queensland were so dangerously low that that's when that whole desal thing was was kicking in. That was that was like around like oh four, oh five, oh six, something something like that. So I'll have just, to, I, to just over maybe maybe fifteen years ago, you reckon? Hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've definitely had critically like like low periods of rainfall and stuff before. So I do think that it's mainly like cyclic i think the biggest problem uh that we've got is the fear manipulation like ethan just touched on before like that is like absolutely chronic and in in sending sending our population into a big big spin but you know like we don't we don't prepare in this country for these like cyclic events either you know we haven't built a dam in 30 years we haven't laid any fresh pipes we haven't done done anything and then of course when it when it comes and then, then of course there's this there's this like uh agenda not to backburn as well like and to and to keep the the fuel like like low and, and out of and i think there is some sort of agenda around that so it makes cyclic droughts and cyclic sort of extreme bushfires all that much worse but um but yeah, but yeah, we definitely we definitely have in southeast Queensland at least anyway. We have had like uh, in our very recent history periods of extreme drought. So mm -hmm. uh, the funny thing is, Andy, is is that you know the Somerset and Wyvernhoe, which are the two main dams that feed Brisbane and the Brisbane area, and you know sort of uh, Ipswich and stuff. Um, they're the ones that get really low, right? But about what a hundred k's south of that is around is the hins dam in around the gold coast region which is almost yep. always at capacity it's it, it you know what i mean like it's not that far away and it's fucking full all the time and it was it was the last time we had the droughts it's just these these cloud patterns that we we noticed on the radar we spoke about this just before as well off air you see the storms coming over from the west these big long bands and really really wide like we're talking 30 you know 40 kilometer wide bands of showers and storms coming across and as soon as they cross over the range they then start as in the Toowoomba range the dividing range they start to break up and a large portion seems to push south and a large portion seems yep. to push north and we get minimal floating through the middle which is towards the main southeast Queensland hub of Brisbane and stuff and so the our dams get very little Gold Coast dam spills over almost and then any other dams up up further uh, get topped up as well you know like so it, there is a drought on, but it's it's really localized, you know. So it kind of worries me because you've got these big radar stations like at Mount Stapleton that, yeah, uh, you look. That's the main radar you look at on the bomb when you're looking at um, Brisbane. The bomb is the Bureau of Meteorology for the for international listeners. We have that, an app on our phone. We can just sort of click on it and look at the radars and the weather patterns and all that sort of stuff. And the main one close to Brisbane is that Mount Stapleton one. And, you know, like we mentioned earlier, there's those geoengineering watch um, type pages on Facebook that we follow. And people will put up pictures of, 
of the energy being blasted out of these radars aiming towards certain areas and you know any clouds and any storms that might be coming or whatever seem to just disappear you know really quickly um so that they seem to be doing something i think possibly with energy um to to, to drive these storm patterns and, and to drive this weather away um i don't know why that's just a, a theory but um yeah, maybe they're connected to something else, and it's uh, it's all part of a larger agenda of of uh, you know getting us off the off the lands and into more localized smart city type situations. Ethan, what's your take on that, man? Yeah, general. Well, it's very interesting that you mention that, and this is where we start to unravel it just a bit more. So obviously, there are natural cycles as we're describing that are happening yeah, these sure. things, whether it's southeast Brisbane every fifteen years or whatever. In, in you know very intense you know fire inferno type situations every hundred years whatever it may be but what i believe is happening is that the people that are also carrying out this agenda they've understood that these patterns are happening and over the years they've ensured that it continuously gets worse every time these patterns come around to suit a larger agenda and we see this, you know, from snowy hydro in the Blue Mountains to the Tasmanian politics where they regularly do cloud seeding as part of their election mm-hmm. campaigns. You know, it's a, it's a widespread fact down there to all of our, um, you know, energy beams and everything that we have around the country that are similar to HARP that we've documented on the website. It seems to me like the drought and the conditions have been intensified they've been they've been made worse by either preventing say new south wales from getting water and and leaving them in the critical situations that they are where firefighters don't even have enough water to fight the fires to begin with you know this is what is is happening so it it becomes worse and worse and people uh eventually as per the agenda 20 document are forced into highly sophisticated smart cities, which you look at the cities of today in Australia, they're going to become bigger. They're going to expand more and everyone will be in them. Regional Australia under this plan will will be gone. It'll be be bought by the Chinese. It'll be restricted land. All of this to suit the green agenda. And one of the most interesting things, and I'm, I'm interested to see if you fellas have seen this, was when you look at the route that the bushfires have been burning from Queensland all the way down the country, some of the, the most intense and, you know, the ones that they're saying are yep. taken up a million hectares and all yep. this stuff. Yep. When you look at it, it follows a very similar path to the proposed smart city train line that is going to go from Brisbane all the way down the country, all the way into Victoria. So it's going to stop at Newcastle and Sydney and Melbourne and all these stops along the way that are currently being developed as smart city infrastructure. This is going to be the linkage that connects all of these highly sophisticated cities. And we all know that the future of car ownership with autonomous vehicles, they're predicting that private ownership will be a thing of the past by 2050. It seems, fellas, like, and I'm, I'm just throwing the ball out there, that these fires could have a larger agenda to them to maybe accelerate this smart city infrastructure plan with this high-speed train. What well, say you, General? Well, if they've got uh, a deadline for 2030, then they're going to have to start now, which it does seem like they are, you know, because uh, it's going to take a long time for these 
things to actually get built and uh, you know what stands you got to think of it like this you know what stands in the way of them achieving that goal well there's people that live along that entire route um, there's you know bushland and clearing to be done uh, well if you have you know in uh, in quotation marks natural fires occurring or what should I say climate change fires occurring um, then of course uh, that's <laughs> going to help them out you know, uh, you know it's it's a it's a large portion of, of work that's going to be done for them you know people are going to sell up from those those properties because they've got nothing left they'll get the payout from the insurance companies they'll leave there's a few, you know um, they might get snapped up for pennies on the dollar by these uh, these uh, what are they called uh, What's the big mob, CLARA? I think it is. It's a, an acronym, C-L-A-R-A, the uh, Consolidated Land and Rail mm. Australia, which is, um, you know, they've, yep. they've made that proposal to actually build three smart cities along that route. So, um, you know what I mean? Like, this is just sort of uh, saved them a ton of money having to do, you know, the natural way of burning them out. So, look, it definitely makes sense. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm personally, I'm not opposed to a high-speed rail, but there's a right way and a wrong way to go about it. Um, and there's a obviously an agenda behind having it, which is, like you said, pushing people into these big new smart cities, which they can plan to a, to a T with their, uh, you know, the technocratic agenda in mind. Um, I'd like to hear Andy's thoughts on that one too, man. What do you reckon, Ando? Uh, yeah, look, uh, one thing that uh, is brought to my attention during the week too is... Uh, they could use in um, uh, insurance companies to uh, facilitate this um, agenda as well, um, because you think about it, right? Like you know, if, if uh, there's so much, so much vegetation, so much no one's doing any back burning, then it becomes rural areas become uh, almost untenable for an insurance company to insure, right? So uh, let's just say premiums, uh, you know, are seven hundred bucks a year. And then, and then they do a payout for, you know, your home and whatever's gone on. And then the insurance company will turn around and say, oh, well, you know, like we've reviewed, you know, risk, you know, risk assessment for that area. And that's a, it's going to be uh, 70 grand a year, like, um, from now on. Like, so uh, you can pop that in your pipe and smoke it if you like, or you can just get off the land and, like, you know. So I think insurance uh, insurance mega giants too could be used to facilitate this um, mm. rollout as well. If people can't, in, can't uh, afford the premiums, then um, this, this can be another thing. And I've already heard some noise from out there, um, you know, uh, to that effect already. So... So yeah, definitely, hundred um, percent. It's it's an, an attack on the bush. Uh, it's an attack on Australian um, sustainability. If we can't feed ourselves, then the enemy certainly gets an upper hand on uh, bringing down this country, which is definitely like part of the modus operandi. Um, and once again, boys, like uh, it's an attack on on uh, our sovereignty and sovereignty and our country without a bullet being fired. Mm. So, uh, silent weapons for quiet up. wars, mate. That's what it comes down to. Correct, correct. And I've always said we are currently we're already in World War Three. People, people, people are just asleep to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree, hundred um, percent. But uh, but anyway, yeah, that's that's my take on that. But definitely, definitely, uh, yeah, I think I can see. Yeah, definitely, in in ten years' time, um, uh, people will be forced forced into cheap uh, high-rise accommodation and um, people, farmers and people who 
who want to live, um, you know, like a peaceful life and a self-sustaining life out there, maybe with a few acres and grow a few things for themselves. All of these people, like the way that it feels at the moment, are almost being um, like rounded up and forced back into cities because it's just uh, unsustainable to live out live out in the bush. Uh, you know uh, exactly, that- and and when you think about it, Andy, like. You know how we're talking about these 10, 15-year cycles. Well, what what's coming in 10 years? It'll be 20, 30 in 10 years. So who's not to say that this is just the first test ground to, to get people all scared so when the next cycle of dry comes in 2030, where, you know, people will lay over and bend over backwards for Agenda 2030. You know, it's almost be, like they're gauging it. They're gauging it, the public. Exactly. They'll be begging for it. Exactly. And, and and when you look at it, you know, the half these fires that are along this proposed train line, a, a large majority of them, the police are saying that they believe have been lit, intentionally lit. That's now, they the don't thing. know. They don't know who's lit them, but they've just been intentionally lit. And you, you start to think to yourself, well, as you've said, General, how much would it cost to dig and develop down the entire part of Australia? We can't even redo highways properly in this country without it costing you know 20 billion dollars of mm. wasted money mm. could you imagine trying to dig and clear way for all of this it seems a little bit too convenient to me and at the same time not only do they fulfill their smart city agenda but they're also preparing people for the agenda 2030 scare with the climate change it's the it's the double goodness that they get with this event mm. in yeah, my opinion right. well i remember seeing in uh, i think it was 2013, uh, we had some really bad bushfires as well. And because I was looking up some old news articles, and lo and behold, there was almost the exact same areas they were trying to, they were burning them out back then too. You know, that was only six years ago. Um, so maybe they tried to have a crack at it back then. And, uh, you know, the foundations, nothing was ready. You know, uh, maybe they, you know, there's this sort of this plan for these smart cities just wasn't quite there yet. You know, maybe they were a bit too early. Um, so they've attempted to it again now. And you mentioned, you know, they're being lit by people. This isn't naturally occurring fires. You know, they're lit by, you know, lightning strikes or, or whatnot because there's been no fucking clouds and rain to light them. So um, it's got to be man, man, man-made or man-lit, I should say. And, yeah, they've been, they've been catching teen, little young kids and teenagers all along these areas and bushfire regions. And even I even saw some reports that, one of the um, rural fire service people who were doing an amazing job, of course. One of the he was actually lighting fires. He was he was responsible for lighting like four or five of these major fires, you know, um, which is just <laughs> it, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? Maybe he got paid to do it. Uh, you know, like, who knows? And we're just theorizing again. But uh, it's yeah. There's a reason why they're doing it, um, and we're trying to throw up these re- these. Uh, uh, I guess our version of why they're doing it, and it does seem to fit in. It overlays quite good, like you said. We've seen the maps. We've seen where they want. They're, they're proposing the rail, the high-speed rail. We're, we've seen where they're proposing these smart cities along the eastern seaboard there, and then we've you overlay that with where the fires came through. It is, it is in the exact same places, you know. So they've the groundwork's, the- groundwork's done. 
exactly and look at what's happened over in california as well it's oh, almost yeah. the exact same thing yep exact yep. same yeah. thing a train line that's going to be proposed smart cities that are being developed developed california are the they're head of the pack for things like self-driving vehicles and stuff over mm. there now there's all that technology all across california now you know it's it's the exact same model so it makes you start to think what's really going on here well, I, um, I shared a video the other day, guys, I don't know if you actually had a, a watch of it on uh, the RNA Facebook page, and it was basically highlighting the, the apocalyptic nature of um, LA and other parts of California, uh, mainly around the main cities like LA and stuff, and it's, it is actually quite scary because you know, they've got these massive drug problems over there, they've got massive homeless problems, like we're talking tent cities everywhere lining major roads and streets and highways and all around the place tent cities like the homeless crisis and housing problem over there is ridiculous so people are going to be calling and screaming for a solution and of course they're going to hand them the solution which is hey look we've got all these smart cities there's transport here for you blah 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 you know what i mean but that that's 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 what's going to come but you know in the meantime it they're, they're pulling it and they're bringing it all down to the ground like um it, it has to be seen to be believed, and if I remember, I'll just make a note now so I can try and put a link to the video in the show notes so people can see what I'm talking about. But scary stuff, man. Like, um, not only is there drug problems, but there's p- all the people who are in tent cities. Where do you think they defecate and and urinate? They just do it in the street. The streets are, uh, over there are just littered with feces and urine. Uh, there are now rat plague populations building up in massive areas in these in these homeless town, these um, tent cities. Um, it, it's really bad. Like it's, I didn't know it was that bad until you actually see it. And then, you know, they show the little news reports from local TV stations and things over there of just violence going out of control, people on just on, you know, whatever drugs they can get because all the drugs are so dirt cheap, you know, they just want these people absolutely self-destructing. Um, and then, obviously, they're going to be calling for the solution and uh, the solution will be handed to them on a silver platter, which will be the, be the smart cities. You know? Exactly, exactly, yeah. American dialectic. Exactly, and out of destruction, they're going to create the new world, my friend. That's mm-hmm. what it is. You can't rebuild it unless it's destroyed first, and that's the image that they have. And when, when you look at what's happening at America, like it's almost like Trump and everything were put there just to distract everyone away from what the hell's actually going on in that country. It's completely going down the toilet in a lot of ways. Mm. And when you really think of their position in the world, you've got to pay attention to it, you know, and you've got to think of the similarities between Australia and America and what's happening over here, you know, and yeah, it's, it's, it's all a big interesting thing, but it, it seems like agenda 2030 is a real prospect that they're really trying to achieve over the next 10 years. And, and it's all beginning, you know, at the turn of the decade, it seems. Mm, yeah. Watch this space 2030. Hey, mm. <laughs> Andy, did you, did you have a look at that video by any chance? Or did you, of you guys catch that one? It was quite long. It was about 10 minutes long, but, um, it was pretty no, shocking. I didn't, mate. No, no. No. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, uh, about- I'll flick it over into yeah. the show notes anyway, and I'll. I'll um, well, it was on the twenty seventh of November. I posted it, and all it says was, "All by design." That's what I, I, I said when I shared the video. Oh, yeah, members. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. just crazy. Go, sorry, it goes for about five minutes, but it's just crazy. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll copy yeah. that link and put it in the show notes for folks. Anyway. And 
And the first thing I could think about when you mentioned about the um, like unsanitary conditions and stuff like that, it sort of goes back to like the start of last century, you know, like um, when we didn't really have sewage systems and stuff in this country and, and uh, disease you know, was rampant. Polio and things like that were out of control. Like, well, polio is a um, like a trench warfare thing. Like it's a it's a dirty disease. It comes from from that sort of like um, it's a water- waterborne virus type yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's sort of like you know. So it's it, it's a it's a good setup for that sort of thing just to roll through again. You know, um, and of course it'll be all the anti-vaxxers' fault again. I, I would assume, but. Uh, but yeah, it's terrifying, you know. And and of course, we haven't really got a legitimate country uh, government left in this country. We haven't had for many decades. So um, really, uh, powerful corporations and banking systems are in control and uh, uh, orchestrating the gameplay. So um, whatever whatever makes a buck, mate. Yeah. You know? Well, the other thing I wanted right. to sort of mention as well, Andy, you probably saw this stuff. Um, posted as well which was you know you got old billy gates still pushing obviously his vaccine agenda but he's also now pushing the the whole climate change uh agenda stuff as well and i've got an article here it says bill gates backs plan to tackle climate change by blocking out the sun um you know what i mean so not only are they you know they're, they're he's got the, the the pincer maneuver on us with one with our health and trying to you know backing all the vaccine the big vaccine push but now he's going to try and uh nail the population down with um blocking out the sun i mean i've got an article also here in front of me from the uh, u.s national library of medicine and national institutes of health the ncbi nal was naihm whatever it is nih um benefits of sunlight you know a bright spot for human health and the whole article is all about how good sunlight is and how much we need it you know this is a medical website talking about it you know um how it can actually help people reducing cancer and um there's so yeah obviously so much with regards you know vitamin d production via the skin through sunlight and um yeah we all know how good the sun is for us but i mean go and research it yourself if anyone's not really sure and then they want to go and block out sunlight or you know on a global level to reduce the temperature I mean, what, is he, what do they think that's going to do to the world's population with regards to... I mean, we all know what happens in these countries that, that suffer, you know, what they call you know, the um, SAD, the Seasonal Affective Disorder, which is the low light condition. So, you know, very low sunlight, they all start getting sick and they blame it on things like the flu and stuff when it's just, it's just they're not getting enough sunlight. You know what I mean? So that's going to happen on a fucking global scale. Everyone's going to be getting sick. They're going to be probably asking for more vaccines from old Billy Gates as well. So he's got the double win there. You know, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of that one, um, boys? Uh, um, I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Andy, because I, I, I um, hit you up first. So what well, do you reckon on that one? Well, well, you know, like the Gates, Gateses are they're business people, okay, and like these parasites, like. It's just money flows on the, in the easiest channels when it comes down to, like, corporate business. So, like, the idea of public health or humanity and everything like that is completely, like, devoid of, of anything there. A corporation doesn't have a soul. A corporation is an entity designed to make money pure and, pure and simple. And if it means wiping out populations, then so be it. Um you know, and and the the Gates foundations and the Gates businesses are like complete 
like Orwellian like corporations that basically are just like out there to pick at the lowest hanging fruit, man. Like mm. it's just well, he's like, got a eugenics background, doesn't he? He's got his father well, was a eugenicist. Matter. His father yeah, was part all of that, that. Um, department of um, well, what was that? Um, Planned Parenthood. His father started Planned Parenthood. I'm pretty yeah. sure, which is you know another eugenics organization. Um, yeah, yeah, they're all connected yeah, in this. Yeah, you know, our job, our job, especially at, at, at Real News Australia and TOTT News, is basically the only way we can do it is awaken consciousness of of people around us to like like awaken people from this sick little slumber and and wake people from this apathy that they're all like you know, like, found themselves into. It's the only way that we can, like, win this spiritual war that's going on um, because these people are counting on, on our apathy and our, um, you know, uh, you know, especially our Australian nature that we, you know, everything should be right, mate, and all that sort of stuff yeah, there because yeah. they're counting on all of that roll through so so you know the people that are listening to this podcast might think oh gee you know boys like you know just doom and gloom but it's not it's not so much doom and gloom it's like it's it's good news if we can awake as a nation and as a people and and rise up and beyond this sort of stuff you know like yeah. we don't have to fall into it if if you know if we don't want to you know but yeah. like but you're if, right we've got to be aware if, of it if, first you know people need to be yeah aware. yeah that, that's the first step is to, is to pull raise wall, your awareness. Pull the wall over the, from from their eyes rather than having it pulled over them all the time. You know, get get that Correct. wall off their eyes. Yeah, and um, and this is what we've spoken about on the the website as well. And Andy, we had a great chat about this. It's it's only yeah. it's only negative and doom and gloom if you make it that inside your head. If you take oh. this in a negative way, it's like. You're not the the brainwashed masses who have no idea what's coming. You know what's coming. It's not a. It, it might be a scary thing, and we talk about this. This is the the process of awakening, all the steps that you have to take through this. But mm. once you get to the other side and understand, hang on a minute, I can actually empower myself with this information. I can empower those around me, and I can actually think of how I personally and the ones around me are going to escape this. That's not a doom and gloom thing. You know, it's it's going to be doomy and gloomy once it gets here. But for now, you know that it's coming. So why not prepare mm. for it? You know, this is yeah. this is the sort of tone I've been trying to express over the last few months, especially on our website, and, you know, that, that's, that's really what it is because I feel like so many people with the information, because it is so, you know, direct and this is what's coming, they, they put themselves in a state of fear, you know, when it, it really, it's only that way through your perception. Yeah. That's just my well, thoughts. Well, I think, first of all, it, it, it's trying to get people to actually be, understand it and believe it because there's a lot of people still have their head in the sand, fellas, you know. You, you try and mention geoengineering and in this sort of stuff to, to your average person or other family members and things who have never heard of it or don't know anything about it. And they look at you like you've got three heads, you know, like, and they just think, no, they couldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. Why would they do that? You know, they love me. Why would they hurt me? You know, that's that kind of mentality of, you know, my oppressor loves me. You know, they just get into that sort of Stockholm syndrome, <laughs> sort of they're in love with their, uh, their oppressors, you know, and want to protect them every chance they get. But so that's part of that. That thing that's probably the first battle is getting people to actually understand and believe and, you know, research and look into the things that we're saying. And then we go move on to that point of, well, let's not let it get you down. Like you've um, spoken about, Ethan, we even talked about this on the last episode, episode two of the podcast. 
um, and you've been writing a lot about it lately as well, is, you know, you know, take ownership of it and uh, move past the fear and don't get stuck on that fear and, and try and do something about it, you know, because otherwise you're just going to fall into that pattern of despair and um, th- that's exactly where they want us, you know, and they don't want us enlightened and doing something about it. Exactly right. Exactly right, mate. And I know I take a little bit of a different approach with the first step as well. I know a lot of people aren't agreeing with me on the first step where I'm, I'm saying, hang on a minute, it's it's too late to try and awaken the masses. We need to get together, the you know, the people that are listening to this podcast, the people, that's what I'm pushing on my website. I'm really connecting with the members of my website to actually form an actual community of awake people that can f- come together and think of something to do with this you know i i feel it's at a point where you we've tried for decades people have been trying for decades to awaken the so-called noble masses to what's going on where it really is down to the point where we need to think of solutions we need to think you, of what we're doing do you think maybe and sorry go then ahead. you get and then you get past the fear because i think that that's yeah. also a point a part of it you know you you feel the the fear intensifies and you feel you feel even more down because you notice that the people around you aren't awakening, if that makes sense. That's part of it, in my opinion. Do you think, boys, that maybe we're at that point now, and I think this is probably what you're talking about, um, that, like you said, you know, we've tried so long and hard to, to get to wake people up and stuff, right? And they're probably at that point in their lives, and most people are, where they're not going to, you know, unless something really happens in their life that makes them start researching and they start opening their eyes. But the average person isn't going to jump on our side of the fence, right? So they're they're simply the followers. They'll just follow what is the popular thing and what's going on at the moment. So I think maybe what you're saying is, like you said, we've got to build up our side of it, of the people who are already, I guess, let's say awake for lack of a better term, but who are on our side of the fence who are, you know, want to, join together, be with like-minded people, build this community, like you've said, and we eventually start raising that tipping point where we become the more popular side and people then automatically, the followers will then just join us, you know, in en masse in that point. Is that what you're saying? Like, they're, they're, we can't convince them, but they'll just follow us if we're the popular thing? Yeah, well, that's certainly an element of it as well. Um, I And that, that would obviously all depend on getting it to that tipping point, Correct. you know. But, you know, one of the things I'm just concentrating on is just small communities, you know what I mean? It's not, it's it's really not that hard to escape these things. If you look throughout history, if you understand history, whether it's been revolutions, where it only takes 5% of a population to do a revolution because everyone else gets on board through mm. a domino effect, mm, you know, these... Mean. Yeah, exactly. These things are, are doable and these are certainly aspects of it. And that's what I'm encouraging my members to do is, you know, it's and that's not to say that we don't still keep trying, but devoting all of the energy to that, it's too late. The smart cities are being developed. They're here. The facial recognition's here. This is all coming within the next 10 years. It's going to be a completely different world a decade from now. And it really is time to figure out like what we're going to do. The ones that, if, if people out there believe that the awake are the, the, the saviors of humanity or, or whatever that may be, then why wouldn't they be focused on themselves? If we're, if we're the ones that can fix all of this, why aren't we focusing on ourselves? And that's, that's just where I'm trying to get people just to shift their thinking a little bit, even if they're not completely on board. You know, I still use TOTT News as a website where you can share that with your friends and family. And that is 
sourced, referenced articles, which, you know, goes beyond the spin and deception of media and just gets right down to the point of it. But mainly the site is there to update people who are already awake on what's happening step by step so they can be aware of it, to empower themselves to do something about it. You know, and I think absolutely if we if if we all formed together that could be an aspect of it that we got to a tipping point where we you know the 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 small minority becomes so polarizing that it changes a society and when you look at social engineering this is exactly what's happening now yeah. a small select few group of people that control the media that control education that control all of this the narrative. Are, are putting these thoughts out there whether it be gender climate whatever it may be, they're not the majority, but they're influencing the thoughts of the majority. Yeah, and that's what Who's I mean. Not so to we've, say, we've got to be yeah. the influencers. Who's yeah. not to say we can't reverse engineer it back against them, as Absolutely. you've said, Jen. Fight fire but with the, fire. But it starts with focusing on ourselves first, coming together, getting rid of the fear, and figuring out what is our solution and what we're going to do. Yeah, that's like just it. my thoughts and on I it. Like it. And I like that's what you're doing. Um, and yeah, definitely keep doing that because um, it's definitely the way we need to be heading. Absolutely right, man. Um, I do feel, still think we've, like like the veggies in my little veggie garden right now, mate, you've just got to keep planting those seeds though because you, you'll, I think we'll be able to uh, to reap the, the benefits of, of what we've sowed in people's minds a little bit further down the track. You know, you, you just keep planting that little seed, the little seeds of doubt in the system that's around them and before you know it, when something happens, they start to see it and that little seed sprouts in their mind. They go, oh, this is kind of like what we were told, what they, were, what they spoke about. Maybe I should look into that. And then before you know it, yeah, we're, we're, we're reaping the, the rewards of those seeds that we've sowed. Um, exactly. Yeah. And, if, if the, and if the plants don't grow, it, it doesn't matter because we've already prepared for ourselves at the same time. Oh, you yeah. see, it's just, a, it's just a little change in approach that the truth movement needs to take as opposed to focusing all their energy on awakening the masses it's like open the door for them and say you can come in this room with us if you want but i'm not going to come out there and force you into this room anymore because i've got to focus on the people who are inside with me i'm still going to leave that door yeah, open so you analogy. can see i like it but you know if you if you don't want to come in i'm not going to force you in because i, I don't have the good. time mm, yeah that's awesome, brother. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly that's exactly what you know, the great man Jesus Christ would have said too, you know? Like so you know, that's 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 exactly that's exactly how you do it because you've got to conserve your energy too. Because sometimes it's like it's it's so it's so tiring, you know, like it trying is. to like bang your head against a brick wall against someone who just doesn't want to want to listen. Oh. You just have to leave that door open and then just wait for them something something to trigger in them, and then and then they can you know then the answers there, you know. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's, let's switch gears um, a little bit here, fellas. There's one other thing I wanted to sort of get your takes on. Um, is is China. I wanted to talk about China, guys. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of stuff in the media. Yes, it's a lot of fear stuff, but um, look, the, the facts are still quite compelling. Um, and it, it kind of makes me wonder what is really going on here because we've got, you know, this, this massive, how many, 1.3 billion people or whatever it is, you know, uh, from China who are making everything that the world uses right now you know it's all pretty much manufactured over there which was again we all know that was by design that um manufacturing was shipped away from all of our own nations through whatever 
treaties and agreements that uh, we've been signed on to. Um, and China was made to become the big manufacturing hub of the world, which then has now made them quite rich. There's more millionaires and billionaires per capita in China than any other nation in the world. Uh, and they are now spending a lot of that money. You know, they're lending money to nations all over the Pacific who are now indebted to China. So they're starting to do land grabs and deals with these little island nations um, and, and spreading their fingers in the, throughout the Pacific. Uh, Andy, we'll get your comment on that little topic in a second. Um, I'll throw to you first in a minute, but I just want to sort of finish saying, you know, now we're also, we know that uh, China is, is buying up massive swaths of land and industry um, you know, food production here in Australia as well as so much land. And we're talking cattle stations, we're talking, you know, um, veg- uh, vegetable crop fields, we're talking um, whatever little, well, we didn't have any manufacturing left. It's pretty much just land grab stuff now at the moment um, and, and other corporations and businesses that they're buying off of us like milk production and so forth. So Andy, let's, let's first chat about, from your perspective, the encroachment via China into these uh, Pacific Island nations. Um, have you seen any... Uh, I think we may have mentioned this last season with regards to PNG copying a bit of flack through, uh, um, you know, from land grabs and from ownership of Chinese companies coming over there. Is there any more movement on that? Have you seen anything more coming uh, with regards to China and, and their influence in the in the Pacific? Oh, look, um, yeah, PNG, you know, like all of these Pacific Island countries, have very, very weak governments, uh, easily manipulated and easily bought. So, and that's a and that's a perfect that's a perfect um, ground for China to do their style of business, absolutely, like easily. So, so what you see, you know, in PNG is a lot of lot of land being bought. Um, by Chinese influence, uh, and it's gone. I would say probably beyond the tipping point. Actually, like so, the city of Lei was basically being rebuilt in a Chinese style, like out of the, like just outside of the actual city of Lei. Uh, they're developing their own like um, infrastructure, grand infrastructure, and setting up factories and stuff like that. So it's definitely the. The takeover is definitely well, well on the way in PNG. Um, uh, what, have you, what, have you about, what have you heard about all these other little island nations? What, what, what have you, what's your take on them and, and China coming into them? Same, same. It's basically uh, like a conquest of um, like uh, uh, like debt. I mean, they they they. they they convinced governments, small nations, to borrow money from China, and part of the part of the agreement is that a default um, requires repayment in other ways. Usually, or, or always, it's um, uh, resources and you know a transfer. Yeah, resources and transfer of state-owned land and stuff like that, ports and stuff like that. It's the same like modus operandi that the Chinese have been doing in these nations now for at least ten years. So, so that's what's happening. Um, you know, in uh, places like Tonga, like Solomon's, stuff like that too. So that's well, well on the way. Definitely well on the way for, like, like you boys are saying, for 2030. But China have a China have a program, like a serious program on at the moment called the, the 2025 program where um, basically by 2025 they, they basically want to supersede uh, the US um, and any other superpower uh, in regards to world dominance so so they're they're 
the Chinese um, so, uh, Communist government uh, sponsoring uh, Chinese businesses to get in um, and make businesses in these countries and, and get a good footprint going on in there. And even if they're not viable for a while, um, funding will, will come in from um, mainland China to, to keep keep these companies propped up, um, basically so they can you know get a foothold in, in all of these Pacific nations. So, so definitely, uh, like moving forward, twenty twenty five through the twenty thirty, we'll see um, uh, all of these countries turn red, like all all to the north of Australia, and pretty much Australia will turn red, communist red as well, like we're like we're seeing. So it's just a it's a um, it's it's a gradual um, but very very deliberate like conquest of land, countries, resources. Um, I was recently in Honiara and saw that basically the CBD has like basically been bought out by Chinese interests. So all of the all of the all of the um, commercial spaces in town are controlled, are Chinese controlled, and um, if you're a local or anything like that, you basically can't get a business lease in the city anymore. That's where it's gone. So unless wow. you're unless you're Chinese. So so even in uh, the Solomons now, unless you're Chinese, you can't you can't run a business in town. So basically, the locals and that have businesses on the outer edges of town. You know, like so that's 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 a reality that's happening today. That's full so, on. Wow, that is crazy. You know, yeah, 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 but you, you, you know, you won't hear about that anywhere else. But like, that's 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 their, that's what they're doing, you know. Mm. Like, and it's and it's, uh, you know, well, so it's the same everywhere. Before mm. I throw to yeah. to you, Ethan, um, I'll just throw this out here, boys. Have you heard of the Belt and Road Initiative? Yep, I was going to bring that up. Okay, well, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you bring that up then. Um, I'll just let the, you can explain that um, for the folks out there listening as well, because um, that's yeah, all. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, this is what it comes down to. This is their strategy. Um, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Ethan, I'll let you have a have the floor for a minute, man, and just give us your take on on the, the Chinese takeover and the way they're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm happy to, to give a rundown on it. Um, for those who haven't heard, uh, the Belt and Road Initiative, which is, it's been called the Silk Road Initiative in the media. Um, the official name is obviously the Belt and Road Initiative, but this is a massive infrastructure agenda by the Chinese government, which is, I think it's involving 150 plus countries across the world, um, you know, in every major continent. And the purpose of it. I've just got the purpose up here. I was I had a look for it, and and this was one of the the main things that struck me when I first heard about this initiative. It says the purpose of this initiative is quote to construct a unified large market and make full use of both international and domestic markets through cultural exchange and integration to enhance mutual understanding and trust of member nations, ending up in an innovative pattern with capital inflows, talent pool, and technology database. So this is the plan in 152 countries is what China is carrying out. And I don't know about you fellas, but that sounds very world government-esque to me, that, 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 that very subtle language, that intricate language that is being used here. It's, it's being used as the connector to this new international order that is coming. And 
when you look at it, as Andy has just explained, they're starting in countries all across Southeast, the, the Pacific, all across, you know, even outer regions of America it's happening to. Entire countries just being taken over by initiatives that include these things, building ports, building airports, improving trade, um, improving trade, sorry. Um, all of these things that are being disguised as helping countries are really just putting them into debt and enslaving them. And it's interesting when you think about it, fellas, China itself, you know, after World War II, I, I obviously stand by the notion that there really is no such thing as different nations anymore. It's all just one big control group. Corporations, yeah. It's just corporations. Exactly. Yeah. And when you think about it, China was one of the main countries after World War Two that were were just completely they just completely installed a communist dictator, just like North Korea. China, modern China and North Korea are just creations of the establishment after World War Two. Mm. You know, and you can look at this with the Great Retreat, you know, like in the the conflict between China and Taiwan where the Chinese Civil War at the end of the Civil War, the actual ruling government of the republic of china had to retreat to taiwan and that's where they installed um, mao Zedong and founded the communist party that we see today mm. this was all this this all happened and and all these years later we're starting to see because china was the test experiment for this new age tech structure that they're developing through the social credit system through facial recognition through highly advanced tech China is the place where there's no IP restrictions, where none of this is happening, where everything is advancing beyond our imagination. Their technology now, you know, fuels the world almost. Mm -hmm. All of this technology and stuff that they develop. It's almost like these countries, General, and I'll throw to you for your thoughts, were created for this very purpose, to take over, in a sense, eventually but under the guise of, you know, we're an independent country when it really is just the same control, control structure behind the scenes, mate. Yeah, well, like, like what it says in the um, in that Belt and Road Initiative, the purpose, you know, like you mentioned, um, how it says, through integration, you know, to enhance mutual understanding and trust of member nations, ending up, so this is obviously the end goal, ending up in an innovative pattern with capital inflow. So there you go, capital inflow is obviously what that, what does that mean? That means... Uh, money flowing into China, so coming from all over the world, taking over technology and industry areas in all nations, in 150-odd countries, like you mentioned, um, installing their way of doing things with all capital and all money flowing back to China, so flowing back to the corporate, the corporation of China, basically. Um, so you picture... Yeah, and obviously the talent pool and technology base as well. So, you know, just all you got to do is just picture like some sort of giant octopus over the world with the head and the body sitting where China is and all the tentacles flowing out to every other country and acting like a massive big vacuum or some sort of suction thing. You know, it's all flowing back back to that area. Um, yeah, and this, like you said, we, we know this was built up and done on purpose post-World War Two. I mean, yeah, like we mentioned, Mao Zedong murdered, what are the, they wiped out 50-odd you know, million people of their own citizens, started ruling with a communist iron fist, and anyone who went, was out of line was disappeared, you know, um, built up the Iron Curtain around themselves and, um, you know, shut themselves away for, for 20 to 30 years, building up everything, and now all the other... Uh, all, like I said, the treaties and agreements and things were done in every other countries, which now says you know, all of your infrastructure, all of your um, 
production infrastructure is now going to be shipped elsewhere. It's now mm-hmm. over in China. Obviously, that's that's what we're seeing now. We're ending up in this the inflow of capital flowing back to their country, so that to that nation, and we're all sitting here purely now just relying on China to to produce everything for us when we don't need to. Um, but that's that's where we've found ourselves, and we've we're in this little, you know, in this position now where uh, if they. Um, yeah, we're, they're they're our, one of our biggest trade partners. I'm pretty sure. So you know, they're buying up all our resources. So foreign owned and even domestic owned mining companies are shipping uh, everything offshore. Um, you know, we could be doing instead of shipping it offshore for production, we we should have been doing it here in Australia. But uh, you know, we're not, and it's definitely by design. Absolutely, uh, absolutely by design. And you know, we we saw it last week. Even more milk companies, dairy farmers, all of these companies being taken over now. Mm. Bellamy's have been taken over. They own two thirds of the gas and electricity in this country. Mm-hmm. I've written an article on it. It's a complete takeover of this country, but it's it's more so a redesign of the country rather than a takeover. You know, these the Communist Party of China is deeply embedded with all of these characters that we're talking about the usual suspects that are controlling this grid and now they're just starting to to influence and australia is a real key part of the world to look at because you know we're one of the fastest to advance this stuff we've got chinese tech all over the country as we've mentioned everything is owned it's it's accelerating very quick into our part of the world as opposed to other regions and when you look at australia it seems very obvious what is happening and that is that Countries are going to be redesigned under this Chinese grid that they've created, which involves social credit, highly sophisticated technologies, and, you know, all of this these things. It's, it's crazy to see what's happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, China, like you mentioned before, the resources and stuff, China now owns something like nearly 11% of Australian water rights in, in Australia. So mm. not that they can, they can't take the water out of the country, but they own the rights to the water in, you know, 10%, 11% of the water in Australia. Um, you know what I mean? So we're, we're paying a Chinese, some of us are paying Chinese companies for water in our own country. So there's that, there's the inflow of capital. You know what I mean? It's going, mm. they, they don't take the product of us for this, for in this particular example, but they're making money off other nations just purely by um, by buying up infrastructure and like like things like commodities like water and food and stuff. Andy, what's um, mm-hmm. what's your take on on that? You know, in, the, in this sort of ownership and what we were just talking about. Yeah, look, <clears throat> the way I see it too, like you know, China and Chinese people in general, they've got a plan, haven't they? You know, like their their political system. You know, like it doesn't. There's no risk to, like, you know, not being in power. You know, in a year or two, or their plans ever changing from a change of government or anything like that. And you know, the Western systems of government are constantly fighting amongst themselves for, basically, uh, you know, to be re-elected. This is where all of our political energy is all focused on this you know, like facade and this theatre of, you know, like trying to be popular. And and then, of course, Australians are so, you know, like disconnected from each other. And there's no common plan with our people here to, 
to to come together for one particular purpose. Everyone's just scrabbling around making their own living and trying to trying their best to survive with their own families. It's you know a lot of people don't don't even know their neighbours. So you know for for me when I look at nations like China, it's a, a common government, a common you know like goal. All of these Chinese people, they're all they wouldn't dare breathe something like unpopular about their Chinese government, you know, like everything's for, everything's moving forward for for them and what they do, and there's like millions of mm, them, you know, mm, like all, yeah. all working towards a billion, working towards a common goal. Man, it's it's no wonder that like Australia and, and other countries are being steamrolled by this great plan, you know, like that that doesn't involve like benefiting any Australian people whatsoever. So. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that. Yeah, right. And I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing that we don't share those same ideals of a a nationwide plan for, or goal to do something. You know what I mean? But they do, and we're clearly seeing uh, the uh, the results of of that plan and that push and that goal. Mm. Um, I mean, just look. They own. Yeah. You know, just going back on that whole buy-up thing too. They, there's even you know they're paying a dollar, a dollar for a hundred-year lease uh, for a for an airport that uh, China Southern Airlines now owns uh, in WA somewhere as well to, to train their own pilots. Um, so they're you know um, that's just another example of of the sort of thing we're seeing here. They own the port of Darwin. I'm pretty sure is Chinese-owned. Um, they got a hundred-year lease on that one too. I'm pretty sure. Uh, they own, I think it's the port of Melbourne, and I think Brisbane as well is also now um, leased, uh, you know, owned by the lease is owned by the Chinese government as well. You know, it's just incredible. So the, you're clearly right; they've definitely got these goals, and this is all part of that Belt and Road Initiative that we're seeing unfolding right before our eyes. You know, Australia doesn't have a Belt and Road Initiative. We have. We don't have any initiatives, to be honest. <laughs> Not that I know of. I couldn't rattle any of them off yeah, well, in my head. That's my point. You mm. know, like, that's that's my point with the whole thing. You know, like, um, you know, the, these these people running China, like, they've got a free... They, they can make a 50-year plan. And then actually, like, like roll it out, like, and not not have any fear that anything's going to change with with a change of government or anything like that. It's so different to a Western system, you know. It, yeah. it, I mean, it's it's so good for that for that type of entity, but but of course, so dangerous to the world, like because especially with that that many people in it, because that's the thing. And the thing is, yeah, they they've got that every every citizen has to serve in their military as well they've they've got that conscription sort of thing so you've um you know they've got what one of the biggest armies uh, as well they've got a massive air force they've got naval fleets i mean they could they could literally sail ships into into our harbors and and demand that we sign treaties and agreements for for our surrender okay. and we wouldn't even know that they've done that and well to be honest they have actually sailed three you know three chinese warships sailed into sydney harbor pretty much unannounced uh, i think it was either earlier this year or or last year or something uh, I'm pretty sure I saved a link on that somewhere. Um, might not have it here. No, I remember but anyway, seeing it. Yeah, they only sort of showed one, but I, I was reading about it, and it was actually three warships that sailed in, and they even had Chinese soldiers on the decks uh, in their full combat armor as well on, on the decks. So it didn't even look like a friendly visit, you know what I mean? It looked like a warning visit to me. Um, 
and we heard very, very little about it. Honestly, we heard almost zero about what the actual visit was about. You know, it wasn't a friggin' stopover holiday port, you know, like on our way to wherever it was, we're sailing into Sydney Harbour and um, from what I heard, they, they met with, you know, polit or polit people in, in government is all I heard, you know, whatever State Department type people they met with, you know, so who knows what the fuck that visit was about. It could have been, here's the terms of <laughs> that we want for your fucking surrender and we wouldn't even know, you know what I mean? You wouldn't. Yeah, and um, one of those ships was actually a high-level comms thing. Like, so yeah, it was a spy ship, basically a listening post. Oh, yeah, can you imagine a while it's sitting up in the middle oh, of Sydney soaking Harbour? Soaking up all of the data. would be like, <laughs> yep. all from the 4G communications listening and stuff to, in the city. Yeah, listening to everything. <laughs> yeah, how sophisticated yeah. piece of equipment, that one, that's for sure. And then we've got the you know, um, 60 Minutes um, showed uh, back on November 24th or whatever it was, um, yeah, there was a uh, talk of a, a high-level um, Chinese spy trying to infiltrate uh, our parliament as well. You know, um, uh, where are we? So there was a so nine sixty minutes aired extraordinary claims last night that Melbourne luxury car dealer Nick Zhao, thirty-two, was cultivated by the Chinese government to run as a Liberal Party candidate, citing sources with knowledge of the alleged plot. The program revealed that Mr. Zhao reported the, the plot to Australia's spy agency, ASIO. So he's sort of, I don't know, what is he, um, defected maybe or not. But um, he was he was then reportedly found dead in a Melbourne hotel room in March. Investigators have been able, unable to conclude how he died. So, you know, they've got their spies in this country cultivating um, means to take over parts of our local government. You know, whenever you see lo you know Asians running for local government or government or state government or whatever, I actually get chills. I think, oh, here we go. You know, they've got connections back overseas for sure. You know, and they're they've got their own you know little little plans. And this this is how you do it. You put people in positions of power, and you know clearly that, that's an example of it happening. But something went wrong, and now they've cleaned up their mess by taking out that particular person. And the authorities, you know, can't determine how he died. He was assassinated. For, you know, there's you know there's high level um, operative stuff happening here, secret operative stuff happening here, where they know how to take people out and make it look like accidents and all this sort of shit. So, anyway, um, Ethan, let's head back to, uh, oh. to you. Oh, sorry, Andy, did you want to wrap something up there? Oh yeah, I was just saying the China masters at all that. Like yeah, you said oh, earlier sure. on, they've like been making people disappear for decades. So mm. like it's same same old, same old. Yeah. Throw to Ethan, mate. Yep. <clears throat> Yeah, no, it's interesting discussion, fellas, and, and it's happening before our eyes, you know, and this is this is what's happening from the infiltration of government to foreign ownership to it all. It seems like Australia, as you said earlier in the show, Andy, hasn't had a real government for decades and we're just, just open land that's open for the taking for whoever wants to take it over. You know, this, this overarching control system that created China as a means to redesign the world in their image this is part of the new world order you know there's a reason why the chinese are the ones buying the land for agenda 2030 you know they're going to be the country that rules during that era of water scarcity of food scarcity they're going to be the ones that have it and mm. just like that you know you, you're just under one system it's very interesting yeah I mean, it just comes to the, you know, when, when we get to that tipping where we go, you know, enough's enough, we're going to just march over and take back our our land and, you know, uh, our infrastructure and these companies, you know, what do you, how do you think China's going to react to that? You know what I mean? Are they going to sail in another warship uh, or two? Who knows? Um, 
it could be could be some very scary times ahead. I mean, I, I think I agree with, I think it was Andy, or you said it earlier, we're, we're pretty much in World War Three now. We just don't realise we are. It's, um, you know, it's a, it's a war of attrition via, you know, purchasing um, commodities and infrastructure and resources, you know. Yeah, it's like silent weapons for a, for a quiet war, so to speak. That's why I mentioned it earlier. It's the same sort of thing. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Uh, well, that's all I had to, to chat about, fellas. Actually, no, 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 I digress, sorry. Um, I did have one article I put up, so we're going to just change lanes quickly, and then we'll go over some of the stuff that uh, that you've put up as well just recently. Uh, Ethan, pick one or two of your favorites for the week, because you've got several. You've been fucking hard at it again, haven't you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Loves it. All right, now, yeah, so changing lanes, well and truly, um... A while ago, last year, we mentioned the uh, the my health record and all of this stuff that's been happening with regards to uh, Australia's digitization of our um, health information. Um, and I've just brought up my article, and it's gone all weird. The formatting's gone weird, so I'll have to try and fix that. But anyway, um, yeah. So I just put this article up on uh, November twenty-seven, a couple of days ago. Uh, I won't read the whole thing. I'll let folks read it out there now, but I wanted to just sort of get your take on it, fellas, and, and just sort of see if we can identify, you know, this is exactly what we called it and this is what we thought was going to happen. But um, the article states, controversial My Health Record fails audit. Um, so I said, what's the big risk having all of your medical data stored digitally within a single government department? Improper, ineffective, and lapses in cybersecurity. So... Uh, the National Audit Office has basically carried out an audit on this particular system, uh, which is run by... I can't remember the name of the... Uh, what's the government department, Ethan? Can you recall it that runs the uh, My Health Record? Australian Digital Health Agency, I think. Is that it? Yeah, AD? Digital Transformation Agency, I think. Yeah, something like that anyway. Um, mm. Yeah, so they, they, they're obviously the ones that are running the My Health Record, and... An audit was carried out just recently and found that, uh, you know, things things like uh, they were supposed to have done checks on the systems itself and which were never finished. Um, they never actually finished doing these these system cybersecurity checks and hacking stuff. Um, so, you know, n no vulnerabilities have been detected, which they can say, because they haven't found any because they haven't actually finished the checks. Um, you know, don't look, won't find. It's another example of that saying that we come across. Um, so this this whole system costs Australians yeah, 1.5 billion dollars, and uh, they haven't even completed these privacy reviews, which costed uh, Australians another 3.6 million from from our taxpayer funds. You know, just another incredible waste of money. Um, the other thing I too I think I mentioned in this article is that the yeah, this whole system was set up so that healthcare providers can use it and upload data and all that sort of stuff. And apparently, um, less than 25% of healthcare providers are even using the system. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it, it seems redundant you know, in a sense. You know, it's what a waste of time and money that's gone into this thing if the healthcare providers who are supposed to use this system aren't even using it. It's just crazy. Um, so I wanted to get your 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 uh, thoughts on this one first of all, Ethan. Um, yeah, we did mention the My Health Record and what it was all connected to and where it stems from. I think I linked to to your article in this one as well, with regards to how it, how it came about originally, but. Um, yeah, it's just it just blows my mind, eh? Just the amazing waste of money that um, that we go through in this country when that money could be put, you know, somewhere else. 
Uh, yeah, that. absolutely, mate. <laughs> it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty ridiculous, and and it's not surprising. You know, we've spoken about the My Health record. You know, since episode one on this show, when it first was revealed that it was just going to be an opt-in system you know everyone was going to be just mandatorily enrolled into the system unless you opted out of the system and millions and millions of australians in in july of last year or something along those lines um were were enrolled towards the end of the year and at the start of the year the the same agency that you're talking about mate the digital um health agency they they released a report saying that there was 77 breaches in the last 24 months on the system mm. and now at the end of the year they say the well, well we didn't even do the security checks for it all anyway mm. you know it just seems like it was just a, a way to not only get people into a massive database but to also collect that data and use it you know it, it, there was very intimate questions that you had to say as well to get out of it you know what i mean so it just seemed like it was this big database construction for who knows what maybe mm. to get an idea of of people in the country maybe they're trying to get through census record data through health record data just an idea of who's in this country for the incoming surveillance tech who knows what the reason may be but all we know is that it, it, it was a massive failure and anyone that's a part of that their their privacy as is at risk all of their personal sensitive information that doctors are putting into the system that up got uploaded into the system is is all being breached and it's it's very interesting to to watch it unfold you know because i i think that there's a hidden agenda behind it let's say you Gen general yeah yeah i agree um it was definitely it, it does it seems like it was sort of I guess, I don't know, set up to fail maybe. I'm not too sure exactly, but um, we, yeah, absolutely. It was definitely all about soaking up data because, you know, we, we mentioned this many times, data is the new oil. You know, it's it's the new commodity that will be traded and um, as as when this sort of technocratic system around us unfolds even more um, and they need these things in place to soak up that data. But I just thought I'd highlight some of the hypocrisy and all that sort of stuff and the waste of money and, yeah, because it needs yeah. to, it needs to be shown. It needs to be shared. That you know this this sort of stuff. It's never it you know they they never do it right. It's it's yeah. It and remember, big big pharma has access to it too. That's yeah. another reason yeah, they were granted access to it. And if there's not even any security clearances to say, well, hang on a minute, you have to go through this process to get the information. If all of that's just out in the open, and there were 17 million accounts created. How much info does Big Pharma have on Australia and how are they using that to, to then further push their agenda? Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's crazy. I think um, I saw there were requests from um, somewhere else I read. Um, when it first got up and running, there was only about 80-odd requests for access to some people's data by the authorities like police or something. And then after six or nine months that jumped up to about 200 odd um so who knows how high that number is now again it's just going to keep getting higher that the request for people to access to people's data and their health records you know like why the fuck do they need that you know like get get out mm -hmm. of my get out of my get out of my stuff so i mean if you were dumb enough to to leave yourself um on the opt-in list then that's your fault you know and you've got a hell of a lot of work ahead of you to try and get yourself off that and your information off that list which i don't think you can i think you know, you can now opt out from from any further people accessing your data, but whatever is on there now is still going to be on there. It won't, it won't, it won't come off that list. From what I heard, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Andy, have you um, had a chance to have a look at that one? Yeah, I had a quick look at the article. And look, um, you know, uh, pat on the back for you. I remember right back when this thing started rolling out, you know, like Ethan said, like, um, you know, we were really dead against it. Um, you know, and and you were you were online saying to everyone, make sure you opt out, opt out, opt out. You know, but look, at the end of the day, this is a system controlled by these people. So whether you opted out or opted in, I don't think it makes any difference anyway. You know, to make it, to make you know, to be totally truthful with you, like uh, I don't think I think they're still collecting your data, whether you want it, whether you want to want to collect it or not. <clears throat> Yeah, that's the scary thing. Is this this is the system that that's up and running that they kind of have to tell everyone about? But yeah, who knows what they've what they've garnered from us? I mean, yeah, they're soaking up everything from our social media channels and all that sort of stuff. It's just this is just probably another another piece of that full spectrum surveillance puzzle. You know what I mean? So they've got everything else on us now. They're, this is, uh, I guess, their their way of obtaining health data. You know, so uh, yeah. information is power and um, data is key. And yeah. You know all of those, all of those things like people wearing those smart watches that records all your heart rate and everything like that. That people are using for like fitness. Yep. You know, Apple have that that watch. Yep. You know, Apple. You know the one Fitbit, I'm talking about. Garmin. Yep. The Fitbit and stuff like that. Yep. Man, you don't think that like like all of that data is like with your, you know, with with you, your name, because you got to register on these things. You don't think that all of these things are recording every personal bit of data about yourself and I know. Your and, and who's buying like that data from these companies you know like man it'd be like up for sale 100 percent. yeah like, well if oh, tell you what if i was I mean, what do you think if i owned a, a fitbit style you know watch type thing that you know all my customers were using you know fair enough you might you might it might be a bit of a loss leader you know you might be costing you a fair bit of money to produce the watch to produce it and you're selling it at a at a low level yeah, it's like they call it, it's a loss leader. You know, you're selling it and you're not making money on the sale of the product because what you want five years down the track is millions of your users uploaded all their data to your database and systems and then you just yeah. go and sell that to any, you know, to the highest bidder basically. And then that's how you make your money, you know. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you know the biggest money maker is a pharmaceutical industry. So if, if this systems like these Fitbit systems detect that you're unwell in a certain area and, and they companies. can, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're getting advertising on your stupid screens on something that, you know, and then, of course, it kicks in the fear like, you know, well, the way intelligence was- in your the way I see it, Andy, is that you know you've got all of these health insurance providers. You know, you know people are signing up and insuring themselves, and then they get sick, and then they claim everything, and you know, then the insurance company pays out for all this stuff. But if they've got all of their data and they're buying up all the data on people, and they know that they're wearing these watches and things, and oh wait a minute, you've got a bit of a irregular heartbeat that we've noticed, and you could have heart disease, or yeah, we're not going to in, you know we're not going to insure you for that, or you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. saving they're saving themselves money by buying all of this data because they're not having to pay out on insurance yeah. policies you know so all, got, of, all yeah. of a sudden you're a high risk exactly exactly yeah and that's and they know it because you've uploaded all your data to them so yeah 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 100 percent. i mean people don't even realize that on your mobile if you've got an iphone an apple iphone you can actually go into some of the i think there's one of the apps it's called health um but if you go i think you would go into the settings and turn it off because your your phone can and it detects your your pulse and your heart rate, right? Just just by carrying your phone in your pocket, and it will actually upload that data 
unless you deactivate that part of it. It's set by default to do that, and it will actually upload that data to like Apple or whatnot. You know what I mean? So they're even they're collecting it as well. Um, why I don't know, but <laughs> I don't know for sure. But well, I know they the are. Reason. So if you don't go in and turn off reason. yourself, yeah, probably the same reasons. But I don't know for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm theorizing there. But I know for sure that yeah. you've got to go in and turn it off. Otherwise, it, it's just set to collect it by default. So I, I went obviously in and have turned it off on mine. But I just sort of let yeah. everyone know that that's one of the things, yeah. Yeah, but can you imagine a device that's on your body purposely for that reason to collect heart rate, you know, body monitoring systems and stuff like. Man, if anyone's listening with that sort of thing, like have a, have a, have a real think about what you're doing with that stuff. Like, mm -hmm. Seriously, you know. Look, if you're going to use it, like, uh, fair enough, I know people like it and it can be a, a useful tool, but if you're going to set it up, don't put your name on it. You know, put, create a fake email, create a fake account, don't use your name and do it that way. You know what I mean? Like, don't attach it to yourself at all. You know, I mean, you get to attach it to yourself in your hand, in your arm, or whatever you're doing to wear it, but don't have any links to your physical person via any digital identity. You know what I mean? There's, there's, a, there's a good way and a, there's a right way to do it. You know, fair enough, it might not say your name when you tap it on the screen and it, or it uploads your data or whatever. It doesn't say, hi, Lee, or whatever. It might just give it a fake name, give it a fake everything, and then use it like yeah. you want to use it. You know, there's ways around this sort of stuff, but um, people got to be a little bit more clever about it, that's all. I think so too, yeah. Mm. But, um, but yeah, uh, one, uh, um, can we touch, uh, have you uh, up to speed with uh, what's happening in Tonga? Negative. Oh, okay. So they're rolling out forced forced vaccination for the um. There's a so-called measles epidemic in Tonga. I thought that was in Samoa. Moment. Is it Samoa or Tonga? Because uh, I know. Tonga. Okay. All right. Because last I heard was when they had that MMR shot that killed those couple of babies in Samoa. And then they all, they had a bit of a, the, the president or the, whatever, the prime minister of Samoa said, all right, no more. And they put an embargo or a ban on those particular shots. And now that they're, they're, they're pumping up the measles hysteria saying that there's outbreaks over there. So now they're obviously going to call for it again. That's, that's why I thought it was Samoa. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm just there's a lot of families to, going to and fro from these little countries anyway. Um, Let's have a quick search. While we're having a quick search on that, Andy, we'll come back to it. Um, Ethan, have you yep. just got something you want to bring up while we're having a search for this? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just um, just on the website, just going through my website, I've mainly been focused on membership and subscription content since our last uh, since our last discussion. But some of the, the main articles that I've put up for the public there, Obviously, unis have been discovered in an investigation to be developing surveillance tech for China. So that relates to our prior conversation. I don't really need to go too in-depth with that. We know the links there. We've just had a chat about it. But another one was uh, just an update on the cash ban that we've been talking about, where the Senate have now dismissed 95% of the submissions that are going to, to be put through. Um, Lindsay, myself, all of these people that put submissions through to the inquiry uh, received emails back that said that um, they're due to the high volume of numbers, they're not going to be included and they're going to generalise based on, you know, just repeated types of angles. But they say that it's going to primarily be centred around people who are, who are worried about how it's going to affect their personal budgets rather than some of the, the other things that are out there. So 
that's a pretty big update that come out since our last discussion. Um, so we can have a chat about that if yeah, you want. But... Yeah, let's get into that. That's huge, actually. Um, I mean, how, how about that? You know, ignoring (laughs) 95% of the submissions because there's just too many. Well, what the fuck do you think that says, government, that the people don't fucking want it? Like, exactly. You know what I mean? The people have spoken and you are not listening. (laughs) And it was delayed originally because of the response that comes through, you know, because of the public backlash. So it seems like they've learnt from the first time. But yeah, they said 130 submissions out of 2600 are going to be counted which is only five percent so they've flat out ignored 95 percent of the people that submitted to a second inquiry which you know after the first inquiry as we were speaking about last episode they just continued to go ahead with anyway Mm. so yeah here we are and there it just shows you it just shows you the process it shows you um, what these these people are thinking about when when they do that they don't give a damn about parliamentary process or what's in our constitution or anything like that they're going to continue their agenda because that that's what the agenda is and a, a user on twitter actually replied when i posted this and he actually said that i can't remember what old mate's name is but the secretary that emailed us back this guy showed me just like you know, a, a dozen screenshots from all different emails from like the Department of Health, from Centrelink, from all of these places where this particular individual is signing it. This same person is the secretary for all of these departments. So it makes you start to wonder who the hell is even doing this? Is, is there even a committee going on? Yeah, it's, it's, that's pretty sus. It, yeah, it was really sus. I didn't, um, I didn't see that, but um, a user on Twitter... Um, responded that to me and he said look because you know he's been very active putting in submissions to things and it's always seems to be this similar character that is always responding to you so that really just shows you right there just the the lack of disregard yeah Yeah. his name's mark fit the committee secretary and he's he's he responds to parliament of australia ones um the Senate Economic Legislation Committee. He's done one for the Australian Seed Federation, the Gov- Governance Institute of Australia, Catholic Health Australia. It's all Mr. Mark Fit, who's the secretary for all of these groups. <laughs> there you go. Like, Isn't that weird, hey? I do. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what's what's going on there, but um, this is the same person that responded to my email that said that your Senate vote won't be counted and he seems to be popping up he seems to get around quite a bit this mr mark whatever his name is yes mark fitz or it is yeah yeah well, mark there you fit, go yeah. i'll bet you a lot of people didn't know that hey i didn't know it and there you go oh wow yeah so shout out to brian on twitter he um he sent that through but Good stuff, yeah brian. The, the the main the main part there is like it would not surprise me because as we're, we're talking about with this news general they've just completely bypassed parliamentary processes they don't give a damn what people are thinking and they're just going to continue ahead with the cash ban so it wouldn't surprise me at the end of the day but ultimately here it's it's just another example general of people's voices not being counted with key things that matter to our country what are your thoughts on this yeah mate that's that's exactly it isn't it like they the agenda like we mentioned this before the the agenda is in place you know they don't want 
They don't want cash. They want to push us to the digital agenda. And uh, this is just yet another stepping stone, that another hurdle they've got to get through. And uh, people are very upset about it, and they're voicing those concerns. But um, the government has just uh, put their fingers in their ears and shut their eyes, and they're going to just sit in the corner until it blows past and they get what they want um, because they're not listening to anything that we say. They do not care. They don't give a fuck if we don't like it because this is, this is the agenda. It's, it needs to be pushed through, and they're fed up with us having a problem with it. <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, for inconvenience for exactly them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, actually, one thing that I don't think anyone's actually, like, um, thought about, too, um, is that, like, if we push through to a completely digital currency, you know, like, currently, you know, like, when you take your card to, a like, a terminal in a shop, right, there's a merchant fee. The actual shop owner has to pay, you know, it's usually about 1.5% per transaction, correct? So, yes, uh, can, can you imagine if... If, like, the banks, I think the banks are all behind this. Well, I'm sure that they are. Well, they are. So if we push, if we almost, like, like outlaw cash or really just push everyone to card use and everything like that, it's going to be a minimum, the banks will make a minimum on an FPOS transaction, 15 cents per transaction, right? Or 1.5% on a credit card. So <laughs> it's, another, it's another way of extracting money from like the poor old public out there and mm. the banks know what they're doing man if they can convert even the last remaining cash transactions what i mean what would it be like maybe 20 or 30 percent of like transactions going on at the moment if they can just like tip us over the edge with like getting that extra 30 percent of transactions in the country converted over to card systems where there's a fee attached to it i mean ching ching like it's like cash in the Cash in the bank, so to speak, mate. Yeah. Easy well, as that. Remember yeah. on um, episode two, lads, and, and Andy, I'm, I know you listened to it, but Ethan and I spoke about how, with regards to this cash ban bill, that they they have a limit of $10,000 uh, that I spoke about. And Ethan, you recall this, don't you? Um, where the, it's... And I remember na- the name of the um, the government department. It's called Oztrack, um, which is the Australian Transaction Reports and Analysis Center. So um, the requirements is it. Um, anyone, any tra- cash transaction exceeding ten thousand dollars, ten thousand um, dollars has to it has to be reported to them or goes through them, and you know they they investigate it. Um, and it's 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 places like you know, um, banks, clubs, um, casinos, all that sort of stuff. You know, so the two the two big dodgy ones there, banks and casinos, of course. Um, you know, so they're the ones handling all of this this money and stuff. So um, there, I think I shared an article with you guys just the other day how Westpac is alleged to have broken anti-money laundering laws 23 million times um, and that's just one of the banks and apparently NAB and Commonwealth Commonwealth already um, copped a massive fine and had to pay something like $700 million for breaches of its own policies in 2018 um, NAB is is sitting there you know, trying to say don't look at me don't look at me because you know, they've, they've been doing it too all of the big banks are doing it um, because it's all part of this whole money laundering thing that they've got um, set up that, that they use, you know. Um, and Oztrack obviously just turns a blind uh, a blind eye to it. Um, and I think I also shared a, a video with you too of an interview um, with with a lady who was trying to get people to investigate money laundering, and none of these government departments wanted to hear anything about it, you know. And she was she had all the evidence; she was neck deep involved in it with with you know 
with this money well she got herself involved in it unwillingly she didn't realize she was involved in money laundering and she sort of sort of cottoned on and went wait a minute here i'm I'm, I'm being asked to launder money here and I didn't realise. So she notified the authorities and no one wanted to touch it. They got ham, She got handballed to all these different government departments um, because, and, and the reason why they do this is because they know about it. They want to use this, this money laundering system that's set up. They, they use it, you know. Um, but every now and again, they throw one of these banks under the bus and find them a few, you know, hundred million dollars. But then, like Andy says, we're the ones that aren't really paying for it in the future because they just start, you know, skimming the customer even more to, to top up their coffers. Um, it's just it's just crazy. It's crazy times out there. Oh, it's all just a game, General. You mm. know that. You remember that, don't and you? And yeah, the poor woman, the, the poor woman too. She's probably going to find herself thrown under the bus. Yeah. Ethan, do you, do you remember seeing that? Yeah, I do, mate. I, that was interesting when he sent that through because that's exactly what we were talking about yeah. on last episode. Yeah. You know, this the, how they use these loopholes and these systems to to further suit their agenda. And as Andy was saying, the cashless society just is going to increase this. You know, not only for the big banks, but for the people that are behind them, for the system that it runs and. This is the path that it's taking. So it was really, it was almost like the confirmation tick general when, when yeah. we saw that news story come out that, yeah, that's exactly what they do. Yeah, well, <laughs> this, this is what I'm talking about, fellas. Here we go. Here's a prime fucking example of it. And boom. Yeah, it was quite quite um, serendipitous that that happened, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boys. Well, um, we're about to hit an hour and a half mark for this episode. And I think we might um, pull the pin on it. And uh, I'll just throw it to the floor. If anyone else has anything you want to bring up right now, um, Ethan, have you got anything else you want to add for this episode, brother? No, just to just to thank everyone for tuning in. Um, season two off to to another start, and as always, action packed episodes. There's so much going on that um, you know we can't fit it all in, but we'll be back again to to have a chat about it more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when we're trying to get back to doing this uh, fortnightly, folks. So um, we got the band back together for this one. Andy, have you got anything you wanted to, to touch on uh, before we wrap oh, it up? Oh, last. One last uh, thing, the Vaxxed 2, Vaxxed yes. 2.0 tour, uh, not tour, sorry, the um, screening is on, starts tomorrow, starts um, Monday the 2nd. Um, and where can people Brisbane get tickets? Brisbane is the first one to kick off. Uh, they can get it to Eventbrite. So just go to uh, eventbrite.com.au and type in the search word Vax, V-A-X-X-E-D, and it'll bring up all of the events around the country. Awesome. That's great to hear. Um, yeah, I hope people can get along to that one too. Good good work bringing that one up. I forgot about mentioning that one too. Um, I think we kind of touched on it in our episode one with um, the forensic nurse, Rachel Seller. We sort of mentioned the Vax documentary in that one. But now we're at that point where it is actually hitting our shores and screenings are kicking off. Like Andy said, the first one starting tomorrow in, in Brisbane somewhere. We won't say where because it's... Uh, has to be remaining a secret until uh, the uh, few hours before the actual screening time because of all of these um, pro-vax zealots that go and call in things like bomb threats and stuff to these uh, these places that show the screenings because they're absolute trolls and gutter trash that do that sort of stuff because they don't want people having any awareness on uh, the issue of uh, the harm that vaccines actually do and uh, what a farce that whole thing is. And we've touched on that many times, of course, on, uh, on this podcast. Many, but- many times. Yep. Um, just with the podcast, fellas, we're um, sitting at um, nearly 9,400 downloads, which is awesome. So pushing that 10,000 mark, we're getting there, fellas. And uh, 
I think uh, hopefully within the next... I was hoping by episode three we might get there, but um, unless this one goes viral for some reason, we're probably looking at episode four to hit that, that 10,000 mark, boys. But um, thanks again for everyone who jumps on, who subscribes. I get notifications uh, uh, you know, a couple of times a week, nearly every day, actually, with um, someone else following, joining, um, subscribing uh, with the podcast. There's comments coming through, which is awesome. Thanks again for everyone out there who is doing it. We rely on yourselves to, to share and to promote this for us. We can only do so much, but please do uh, spread the word and, and jump on and have a chat, You know, post your comments. If you've got any thoughts about what we say in some of these episodes, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, and we are still going to do, we, we've got to sort of try and pull our fingers out and organize it, but I was kind of waiting for the season to, to get underway before we do it. But we will do a, uh, a little bit of a live screening, uh, sorry, a live recording of the podcast and try and catch up with some of our listeners out there and some of the followers from our prospective websites. That's uh, realnewsaustralia.com and tottnews.com. So uh, we're looking forward to, to catching up with, with some of the folks out there that are commenting on our pages and who are uh, in, either in Brisbane or passing through or able to make it up for a trip and say good day and share a beer with us and, uh, and listen to us while we, while we do a live recording of, uh, of the podcast. So we're still keen to do that one, fellas, which is good. Hopefully it's maybe uh, either before this year goes out, but it does tend to be pretty busy. So perhaps maybe more towards uh, the start of uh, next year in, in the January holidays, maybe, um, which might be a, a good time. Not sure about you fellas, but um, we might try and do it something like that. Uh, but yeah, that does kind of wrap up uh, season two, episode three. Thanks again for everyone tuning in, lads. Thank you, Ethan. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, Appreciate thanks. it. Yeah, thanks, General. Yeah, good show. Cheers, guys.